This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 76, Everyday Anxiety, a bonus episode with Rachel Nielsen. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and my co-host, Becky Proudfit. Hello. Hello. That reminds me of when my dad introduced himself. I know. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, man, are we excited about this one. Uh, by the way, what, is this two weeks in a row that we did a bonus episode? See how much we bonus love you? We bonus love you. And, like, spoiler alert. Uh-huh. There might be another bonus episode next week. Just saying. Just saying, maybe. We're animals. We are animals because we have so much great information and we have so many great people we want to share with you. We do. This particular episode is with one of our dear friends, Rachel Nielsen, who is the host of the 3 and 30 podcast, which we love and adore. And she actually asked Becky and I to guest on her podcast. So we were recording this morning and we thought... This episode is awesome, and we want our listeners to hear it this as well. This is so good. And as a, re- a reminder, referencing back to, to um, episode 55, that's when Rachel Nielsen was on our podcast, and she talked about patience and parenting. And so what's interesting is when we were invited to be on her podcast, we really could have talked about so many different things. The audience that Rachel speaks to um, with her podcast is moms, right? Three and 30 is takeaways for moms. And so, I mean, there, are, how many topics do we talk about here on our podcast that apply to moms, right? Mm-hmm. And we both felt really drawn to talk about anxiety and you will hear in this episode that we're going to play for you that, um, some of the context and how Rachel and her sister have already discussed depression and anxiety in motherhood on her podcast. They've done a really good job with it, but we felt really drawn to talk about it at a different level, Mm -hmm. a less severe level, a more, probably a more common level. Um, I think amongst women and moms in particular. So, um, but I'll tell you a quick word on that. I feel kind of the thought behind that is I feel like sometimes we talk about mental health issues in a very polarizing way. So you either have them or you don't. Right. When I think it's more of a spectrum and especially with women, um, when you're getting pregnant, having babies, the hormonal fluctuation, Mm -hmm. um, changes so drastically and so quickly and maybe even so frequently that these issues can kind of come and go. Um, and so if this isn't something you suffer with on like a medical chronic kind of level, um, certainly I, I don't know any mother who has been through that process, who hasn't had some degree of depression or anxiety, you know, peak in and out of her life. And so we wanted to talk about, about the more everyday application. Well, and I'll add to that, that, and if you've listened to the podcast, you already know this about me, but I never really identified with anxiety until this past year. Yeah. And so I would add that as you're listening, you may not even think that you identify with anxiety at all. You may never really have an issue with this in your life, which is, would be amazing. Right. But at the very least you will, you will, um, I think come to be more aware of what a reality this is for most women at some level at some time. And so, um, it's really a thrill to be on Rachel's podcast. It's really a thrill to be associated with her. She's really doing great things. We love Rachel to death. And with that, we are going to share with you our conversation with Rachel Nielsen. 
Today, I have the honor of interviewing two mothers whom I deeply admire, Becky Higgins and Becky Proudfit, the dynamic hosting duo behind the popular podcast, Cultivate a Good Life. Although I've known of these women for quite some time, I didn't actually know them personally until they started their podcast just over a year ago. And that's when our professional world sort of collided and they have become dear friends and colleagues to me. And you may recognize the name Becky Higgins from the memory keeping industry, where she's been a leader and innovator since 1996 through her scrapbooking system called Project Life, which has now become an amazing app. And Becky Proudfit joined the Becky Higgins brand several years ago due to her brand training work with Walt Disney Company. And together they launched their incredible podcast where they encourage women to be brave, creative, vulnerable, and connected and to create their best lives possible. Their listeners affectionately call them Becky Squared or the Beckys. And it's such an honor to have them here today to talk with us. So Becky Squared, welcome to 3 and 30. Thank you. Wow. That was like almost tearing up a little bit by that intro. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing that the way that you did. Oh, well, I tell people all the time when they ask me about like who I've met through podcasting and who I'm like, my some of my favorites are the Beckys. They are so genuine, Uh so down to earth. Like, you know, you've had this big success within your industry and you're still just so genuine and generous and I've just loved getting to know you it's been such an honor and now I'm so excited to talk to you yeah, on my podcast it's very mutual and you know that and and between the three of us we have so enjoyed connecting and not just professionally but on a personal level we've shared this with you but for your listeners to know Becky and I have felt such a kinship and connection with you Rachel just from a human level of just who you are and yeah. how you exist and how you operate in life forget about work it just resonates with us deeply. And we just love you for being willing to share what you feel called to share. Well, thank you so much. And when we talked about doing this episode, there were so many different directions we could have gone, um, like the importance of memory keeping, which is obviously really important to both of you, or like building a business while being a mom, because Becky Higgins has three kids and Becky Proudfit has four kids. So you two ladies certainly know a few things about juggling, <laughs> juggling life and motherhood and work. And yet this topic of everyday anxiety is what you chose to focus on. And I wanted to just start by asking why this, like, why is this so important? And you wanted to talk to the three and 30 community about well, it. Well, I think that particularly this everyday anxiety is kind of been a sticky point for both of us, but we only kind of came to that realization uh, for Becky Higgins just in the past year. And for me, um, I hadn't really had myself diagnosed with postpartum anxiety until my fourth child. And so it was something that I dealt with on an almost everyday level, particularly um, during kind of the childbearing years and when my kids were young, but it was something that I didn't really deal with and I didn't even realize was a part of my life till much later. And so I think conversations like these are so important um, for helping people to identify what they're feeling so that they're able to get the help that they need. Yeah, it is so important. And Be- Becky Higgins, what are your thoughts on it? Why did you want to do this topic? Well, because I want to come back six other times and talk about the <laughs> all the, <laughs> all the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you're right. Like we could talk about so many different things. That's why Becky and I decided to start a podcast because there really is so much that we feel resonates with a lot of other not just women, but, but more specifically women, especially in the roles that we generally have and the things that we generally juggle. What's interesting is that in all of my experience, like Becky mentioned, 
it was only recent for me on a personal level that I really identified with anxiety because there were so many things that um, culminated in my experience and led me to make some changes so that I could um, accept the anxiety that was creeping up, but deal with it instead of not even knowing that it was a thing in my life. And so to answer your question, when I chose to speak up about it and share about that, I had no idea how deeply that would resonate with so many people. And so mm. your audience, because we have, you know, a similar kind of audience, meaning, um, you know, mostly women and mostly women who are trying to do their best and they just, they want to have a good life, right? They, they know that perfection is not the goal, but they want to have a good life. Well, part of that is identifying what could be tweaked or managed differently so that we can move onward and upward. Mm, yes. So beautiful. And I love, I feel like this is a great lead into your first takeaway, hearing a little bit about how both of you had experience with anxiety long before you knew that you had experience with anxiety. So can you tell us your first takeaway? Sure. So our first takeaway is yes, it really is anxiety. Um, and this kind of came because like I said, I experienced anxiety and particularly clinical postpartum anxiety. And I had no idea. And the thoughts that went through my head were, no one else feels this way. I wish I could just handle my life better. I need to be more organized. And then I wouldn't feel this way. Like, why am I always scrambling as a mother? And, um, and it really kind of brought me to my knees because I was internalizing it that I was a bad mom and that I was a bad person or I wasn't enough because I was feeling so anxious all the time. And so mm. sometimes naming the beast and knowing exactly what you're dealing with helps you to separate it out. So no, you are not your anxiety, but yes, it really is anxiety. And it's something separate from you. One mm. can kind of separate from that a little bit and, and um, be able to get the help that you need for me. That meant um, I sought help from my OBGYN first. Um, and from a secondary doctor um, a few months later, and I was able to get on some medication that got me over the hump of the really intense period of anxiety. And I was able to figure out some things um, for me that work to keep me mentally healthy and keep me off that anxious track. It's also uh, mm. worth mentioning, you know, both of our experiences with it are very personal and individual, of course, just as it is for everybody. But um you know, for, for a minute there, after I had dealt with some things that surfaced for me, I was hesitant to share about it because I felt like I wasn't worthy to even open my mouth because this wasn't like a debilitating lifelong struggle um, that was diagnosed. And so that's, that is what I think we want to really emphasize here in saying, yes, it really is anxiety. That does not mean it has to be a diagnosis. It doesn't mean that it has to be this huge, massive thing that you've been dealing with for years. And we, Becky and I both give you and your sisters such major kudos for addressing it more at that level with the couple of episodes that you guys address with depression and anxiety in motherhood, because that needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. And you guys did it so well. You did it really, really well, because that is going to resonate with a lot of people who struggle in that way at that level. But our point here is you can be without diagnosis, without this deep thing, like looming, dark cloud looming over your head every day and still acknowledge for yourself, okay, I have some anxiety. That's what this is. And like Becky said, name the beast, like give it a name and identify it so that you can then work forward. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How do you know that it is anxiety? Like, what does it feel like? I think for some women that this is their everyday norm, they may not even know that they're struggling with it. So can you describe what it has felt like for both of you? For sure. Um, so the first time that I had a panic attack, I didn't realize I was having a panic attack. It felt like a really scary, out of control, almost out of body experience where I couldn't tell you what exactly was wrong, but I couldn't um, stop crying. Sometimes when I have panic attacks, I go extremely inward. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to be alone in a room. Like I want sensory deprivation. Um, and it's that feeling of like having that pit in your stomach that you may have felt um, many times in your life, but it just won't go away. And you can't really identify what it's about. Um, Panic attacks, if you don't know what you're experiencing, can really range from just feeling like really out of control, really sad to like literally mimicking um, the symptoms of a heart attack or, or something that feels a lot, lot scarier than it is. Becky, want to talk about what your um, what your first panic attack felt like? Yeah, and actually, Becky and I have had an interesting conversation about this because she's saying this term "panic attack," and as I researched it after my own experience with it, I don't. I'm not speaking from a place of actually knowing, but I I never use the term "panic attack" because I, the way I understand it is it's actually more associated with a panic disorder, which is definitely more serious and diagnosed. Whereas I I identify with the term anxiety attack. So just for the sake of those listeners who are like panic attack anxiety attack let's just all know that we're just we don't know for sure exactly the the exact verbiage that it's supposed to be but we're just a couple of humans who are navigating our way through this and so they are used interchangeably now my um my experience with it one thing that i'll echo with what becky shared is that feeling of um unsettledness and discomfort. So when we're talking about like everyday anxiety, I know, and we'll be, we'll be talking more about triggers in a minute, but I can tell that for me, it's, it's a little bit of a tightness in my chest, but it's definitely an unsettledness where I feel edgy. That's the word that I use for myself. I just feel edgy. I'm a little bit shorter with my loved ones. I'm a little bit quicker to be um, defensive. I'm a little bit um, anxious in my um, body language. And so like, it's harder for me just to sit down and just take a breath and, um, or just focus on a certain project. Cause I'm like worrying about something or whatever. Now mm-hmm. that's kind of the everyday anxiety. Whereas having an anxiety attack for me looked like, um, and I can give you more of that backstory in a minute, but when it came down to the manifestation of what that experience was, it was a lot more um, extreme in my experience and uh, compared to anything else I had experienced because it was sobbing. And I'm a pretty emotionally stable person generally. I have, you know, typical ups and downs, but I don't have big swings, never really have. And so for me to go from crying to uncontrollable sobbing to the point where then I couldn't catch my breath and my breathing mm. was so intense. And thankfully my husband was with me when it happened. Um, but it was, I felt so completely out of control. So when Becky talked about the out of body experience, that would be the similar thing that I experienced where I was like, almost like I was looking at my, myself going, what, is, what are you doing? Like, what is yeah. happening? How are you getting to this point where you can't even like stop crying, let alone breathe normally. Mm. And it is so terrifying. I, when I've had anxiety attacks, you feel like you're going to die. Like you literally feel like you won't make it out of that moment. And 
it, I had a listener reach out to me and say, you know, she's like, I don't know who to reach out to, but I know you've talked a lot about mental health on your show. So I figured I could talk to you. And she just said, um, I had my first anxiety attack last night and I think I'm losing my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. And my response to her was, it does feel that way. It feels like you're going to lose your mind, but it's actually your body protecting you it's you're not losing your mind Mm -hmm. it's it's your body letting you know that you have too much stress you have too much input and so your body's trying to communicate with you so even if you can reframe it to to not think of it as this scary horrible I'm fighting my body but more as like a my body's communicating me and I with me and I need to listen it makes it less scary once you're out of once you're out of the actual attack well I totally agree with that Rachel there I don't think that there was anything better that you could have said to her because everyone who deals with anxiety knows that there aren't really words that are going to take it away or change it or diminish the feeling of the and the reality of what you're going through but Framing is something that Becky and I both believe in so deeply, like framing your experience, Mm. framing your story. And so that's why I love so much that you shared with her that if you frame it as your body is just communicating with you, then that that is a completely different experience than I'm going to die. This is hard. I don't know what's happening. And of course, those feelings are going to happen because it's natural. But as you're listening, if you've never dealt with anxiety, please consider that this could happen in your life. It's not something I ever thought would happen or could happen. It just wasn't a thought. And so when it did Mm. happen, and now, you know, on the other side of that specific experience, that is exactly how, especially in counseling with my husband, when it all happened, that is absolutely how I chose to frame it immediately, which is, okay, so clearly this communication happening here. Now let's respond to that. Mm. My body's telling me this. Now what's my next step? How am I going to cope with this? Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. And I I think this kind of leads us into kind of our second takeaway, which is know your triggers. Um, What Becky's talking about, I love how you said that, Beck, because it really is about looking at your body as your body giving you a loving message of like, hey, we have a problem and I love you. Let's take care of this rather than what it can feel like, because sometimes it can feel like your body is betraying you. Yes. Right? And then you take it to know my body is loving me and helping me to, to solve some things I'm, I'm maybe overlooking is such a better place um, to come from. As, as I have kind of had this be part of my life, um, and sometimes, like I said, I have taken medication for the postpartum anxiety. Now that I know my body and I've worked really hard to to get to that loving place with my body where I can recognize signs, it doesn't get to the point of an anxiety attack usually if I'm paying close attention to those trigger signs that my body gives me. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, I know my triggers. If I am dehydrated, hydration is a huge one for me. If I'm dehydrated, if I am not sleeping well, if I am sleep deprived, um, those are my two biggest triggers. So if I'm on like a beach vacation with my kids sleeping in the same room, I know I need to be on guard for real because I will get dehydrated and have poor sleep. Mm. Um, Other things are nutrition. If I'm not staying up on my nutrition and particularly um, making sure that I have enough nutrient density in my diet, um, general disregard of my body tends to tends to bring on these anxious feelings more. Mm. Um, just kind of thinking about some other triggers, because we really do want your listeners to connect with whatever 
that looks like for her and everyone's triggers are going to look different. Another thing that's a little bit more obvious, but worth stating is certain life circumstances. So for example, if you have, if you know that a trigger happens when um, holidays, right? Like, so for some people, holidays trigger anxiety because of whatever, right? Like whether it's interaction with that person that you rarely see and now you're going to see them and that's going to trigger some feelings or whether it's too many things on the to-do list. So just kind of being aware of certain life circumstances. And another one that I really want to just speak to is boundaries, particularly Mm -hmm. loose boundaries. Now for some people that might look like boundaries with other people. So a trigger might be when you've let someone cross a boundary that is inappropriate um, in your relationship with them in terms of like hurt feelings or, you know, passive aggressiveness or whatever. But the thing for me with boundaries that I have found is boundaries with my time. Mm -hmm. So case in point, today, Becky and I are together, we're working, we're running an errand together, we're we're really going to be having this amazing productive day, we're both excited about it. But because I know that tomorrow is a day of space for me where I am going to be home alone with no appointments or meetings or scheduled whatevers, right? While my kids are in school, because that's when we work, right? I feel so much less anxiety right now about my to-dos and what's on the list and the inbox and, you know, all the work that Becky and I have to do together, which could feel like a lot, a lot, a lot, because I know that I have blocked out tomorrow as a day of space. Mm -hmm. And so pay attention to your boundaries, whatever, whatever that looks like, whether it's with relationships or with your time. And my counsel would be, because this is what I've worked through myself, is to be highly protective of your boundaries be highly protective of the space that you need. You might need space from people. You might need space from work. You might need space from um, overcommitment, but create that space. Yeah. And once you, once you know your triggers, then you can create the buffers around them to prevent this anxiety from rearing its ugly head and becoming something bigger and more painful than it needs to be. Exactly. Knowing your triggers is all about knowing your body and listening to those signs when they're little nudges so that it doesn't get to the point where your body has to really jostle you to get you to pay attention. It's about Mm. being more in tune with your body. I'm going to actually piggyback on what Becky's saying because something else that she and I both believe in wholeheartedly and we've talked about it, we have a whole episode on it, is stillness. And I feel like that's really relevant right now because we're talking about knowing your triggers. Becky said, know your body. And I don't know that everybody's as in touch with themselves and their physicality and their body as they would like to be. Maybe they just haven't thought about it, or maybe it's just not something that's an area of focus, which is totally fine. If you do desire though, to be more in tune with your body and you do feel anxiety creeping up or other things that might be going on, we would definitely invite you to have more stillness in your life. And that's a very literal thing. For example, we're going, we're running, we're doing, we're accomplishing, we're serving, we're helping, we're, you know what I mean? Like this is how a lot of us exist and operate and that's okay. But if we're not creating those moments of just sitting still for a minute, like literally physically sit still, turn off the music, turn off the notifications, put the phone in the other room, whatever it takes for you on an individual level to just sit there for a minute And take time to breathe and just pay attention to feelings that you're having, emotional, Mm. mental, physical, like just pay attention. And I really believe that your body who is constantly 
witches, not who is. Your body witches constantly sending you messages like the anxiety that we've talked about. You won't be able to be in tune with those messages if you're constantly filling your life with noise. Oh, yeah. And I feel like this really resonates with me because I am so much more in my head than I am in my body. And um, I don't notice a lot of physical sensation. Like I don't even notice hunger a lot of the time when I'm really like in into my work. Like I'm just I'm not in my body. And so when you say know your triggers, and I think those can be environmental triggers, but I also feel like I've learned to recognize the physical triggers of my body or like more of the physical signs that like, and I have to name them in order to feel them. If that makes sense. Like I have to say, okay, like my heart is pounding really fast. I'm breathing really shallowly. Like, and so a lot of times for at night is when like my mind is racing. I'm trying to go to sleep and I feel my heart pounding. And I think in the past I would have sort of spiraled and thought like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have an anxiety attack. Like this is happening. My body's fighting against me type of thing. But now I just like, I breathe and I'm like, my heart is pounding really fast. I'm really anxious. Like my body's trying to tell me something like it's not my enemy. And I just kind of breathe into it. And so I can almost stave off anxiety attacks now because I, recognize the triggers and the signs and I just address them and sort of almost lean into them. If that makes sense. You not only acknowledge them and address them, but if I remember right, when you and your sister is Sarah, right? Yes, Sarah. Sarah Mm -hmm. Recording those couple of episodes. I believe one of you even said, say it out loud. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about knowing your triggers, when you notice your triggers and you acknowledge them, if you're in a position where you're not going to feel like a, you know, <laughs> like super conscious because <laughs> you're in the middle of the grocery store aisle or whatever, but if you can get to a place where you can say it out loud, oh my goodness, like there's a power in saying the words out loud f- so that you can view it as more of like, okay, conversation style instead of being attacked and the, I'm the victim and this is happening to me and I'm going to die. So yes, I, just, I think that you and Sarah said that. So that's what yeah. I was pulling that from. One really yes. helpful tool um, that I use is meditation because mm. when we say stillness, I think people envision like turn off your music and your and just sit there with yourself. Okay, and but I know, it can be that. It totally it can, can be, be that. that. Yeah. But I know for me, I get like two or three minutes into that, and it feels like I've been there for four days, and I'm like, <laughs> that's not that's not my best way. One thing I use is meditation. Um, and particularly we have a good friend, Amy Penny, who is kind of a yoga and meditation guru. She just started a podcast called Amy Amy Tenney Yoga and Meditation. And she has some guided meditations and very, very simple yoga practices, um, that help you to kind of recognize the sensation in your body. Um, and so that's something too, that I think is a really great free tool for those people Mm. who might be wanting to get in touch kind of with the sensations in their body. Oh, thank you for sharing that tool. I feel like meditation is something that I've heard about for years and it's been one of my like, yeah, I should do that. That would really benefit me. I should do that. I even like, I bought a meditation course. It's, and I have yet to ever do it. So you are inspiring me to actually try it. This thing I've been hearing about. It's unnatural. And the first time you do it, you're like, that was the longest 10 minutes of my life. And it was so uncomfortable. (laughs) And because it's so uncomfortable, I know I really need to do it. Well, yes. And what isn't going to be uncomfortable when it's the first time that yeah. you're trying it? You know, Amy actually was a guest on our podcast um, just fairly, just recently, and she's phenomenal. Before we recorded with her, we did, we walked through, mm. we walked us through, and we did a meditation 
um, practice together for 15 minutes. And there is power in what she is doing for sure. And others like her who are helping people to be guided through this, this kind of this version of stillness. So yeah, we're checking it out. Uh, yeah. So the third takeaway that we want to share is let go of expectations. Easier <laughs> right? said than done. I'm laughing because I'm like, oh man, if it were just that easy, but it's been, I can speak to this from experience of this past year, especially that I have truly been able to work through this and I can clearly be in a place of having let go. Now there's not like it's not to say that there's not like this little smidge that comes up here or there, whether it's an expectation from myself or someone else. But in general, if we can get to the point where we can identify what those expectations are, whether they are from ourselves or from others, or this is big, or the perceived expectations from others. Because mm. th- this is one of the biggest culprits for anxiety. And I don't know that... Now, what I'm going to say, I, I promise, I, I mean it in a loving way. I don't know that most people realize how um, how hurtful expectations can be of yourself or the perceived expectations from others. So, mm. uh, you know, just I'll break it down. I'll just share a personal experience. Um, when I had my anxiety attack last year, that was actually a result of a lot of buildup of my own internalizing and my o- my own over identifying with my work. Now I love my work. My work brings me joy and always has. I've been doing what I'm doing for 24 years. It's all good, but I have gotten, I got to the point where I was so caught up in what other people wanted and what they, what I thought they wanted out of me as a person and us as a brand. And that is what led to the anxiety because I was so caught up in that. And I think that what it took was for the anxiety attack to happen as it was happening, as strange as it was. I just want to point out that you and Becky both connected on how you had that feeling of like, you thought you were going to die. I just want to make sure Mm. that people understand it may not feel that way. I did not feel like I was going to die. I felt like this is exactly what is happening because it is exactly what I need to be experienced so that I can make the changes that I need to make in my life. That perspective was such a blessing in the middle of the anxiety attack. It was a bizarre mm. thing, but it was real. And I share that because as soon as I, as soon as that all happened and we got through it, the first thing that I was able to do with my husband is realize that I needed to completely check out for just a block of time, which in this case was a week. And I needed to not look at an inbox. I needed to not be on social media. I needed to not listen to a a single opinion, thought, comment, email, comment, anything from a customer. I needed to not even like have a team meeting. I needed to let go of any thoughts from anyone else and be in my own head, in my own body. And in this case, for me, I was able to go for a week and go to a, um, a fitness and wellness resort because I knew and felt deep within my soul that what I needed to do was focus on my physical health to get my mind and my heart back in the right place. And so letting go of the mm. expectations, while it's easier said than done, it is doable. And, you know, just to mention, we, we, we sorry, we recorded a two-part episode on our podcast um, and it's episode six, uh, 
37 and 38. It's called the anxiety attack that saved my life. We expand so much more on all of this. Um, so if you want to go deeper into like hearing more about the kind of the walking through that whole experience and then what I did about it, it's more expanded there in those two episodes. And, and I just love that title, um, the anxiety attack that saved my life. I mean, that's exactly what we were talking about earlier with thinking of it as a gift that your body is giving you, that your body's talking to you, it's protecting you. And how have things changed for you since, I mean, you took that week off, you took that time off, but that's not enough. Like you, I'm sure you've had to shift how you the expectations you have of yourself and that you take in from other people since that happened? How have you shifted those things? Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked. That's a really big deal because what you said is true. This isn't just like you get it fixed because you run away for a week. That's just not how it works. You deal with it on an ongoing basis and you deal with it every day. And so for me, what that looked like is coming back after that week, feeling completely refreshed, like I had hit the reset button and choosing. Now I know this can't be everybody's scenario, but this is for me what worked is I chose to stop working for a minute. And for a minute meant like, okay, for the rest of this month, I'm going to not work except for the podcast work. Um, not because of expectations. Let me be clear about this. It wasn't because, well, oh, we do this every week. So everyone's expecting that every week we're going to put this out. No, I was coming from a place of love. I love the work that Becky and I do with the podcast. It brings me a great deal of joy. And so for me to have let that go would have actually caused more problems. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, But then after that, and then taking a little bit more intentional time away from the the typical work and the expectations of what people would have normally expected from me as a person, as a brand. What I did is I kind of re-entered back into my life. And this happened, by the way, it happened in the summer months. And so it was very awesome that it happened during summer months when I was able to just be more with my kids. Um, But what I wanted to point out is that as I came back into my work, I was so incredibly intentional about only doing the things that I want to do. I only did the things that truly brought me joy. My situation's unique because I'm a business owner, right? So I have that flexibility in doing what I want and however much I want. But I identified with it being so being so caught up in like what people wanted me to do and blah, blah, blah. It just kind of got to that point of being out of control. And that's why I had to make that decision, let go of the expectations of myself. So I was able to let go of people's expectations. I am totally fine, totally fine knowing that some people will be disappointed with my choice and how I run a business. It's really fine. Rachel, you probably have disappointed listeners. Becky, you have probably a disappointed, you know, whatever distant family member. Like we all have people that are either disappointed or we perceive they are disappointed in us. And guess what? It's totally okay. The real work comes in letting go of expecting yourself to be as high achieving or as productive or as excelling or as whatever. And that's that real work for me has, has been in large part through stillness and through hiking. Mm. (laughs) And Becky can attest to that too. We both, we've connect so deeply with ourselves when we are just in nature, moving our bodies, rocks under our feet. That has been a specific thing that has been incredibly therapeutic. Yeah. And grounding, like literally, I mean, it's, it grounds you back to your purpose and who you are and to the earth and to your spirit and soul. It's, I agree. Being in nature is so huge for me. And when I get away from that, I feel my anxiety increase for sure. 
Yeah. Well, but that, and the other thing that's worth mentioning is that's not for everybody. We totally get that, right? Like hiking may not be your thing. Yoga may not be your thing, but what's your thing? Find that thing that grounds you, centers you, brings you back to where you need to be so that everything else in your life falls into place just a little bit easier. It could be a hobby. It could be some physical movement. It could be a breathing exercise or meditation. Um, find the thing, right? Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. And Becky Proudfit, I know you have a really unique experience where one of the hardest things that ever happened to you turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to you as far as realizing that you could let go of expectations. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Sure. And and this is kind of the thing my husband says is that I got cancer and it ended up curing my anxiety. Mm. And like Becky was talking about letting go of expectations, a lot of her expectations um, were work-related. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, I really had to stare in the face that a lot of the expectations that were causing me trouble in my life was I was over-identifying in my motherhood and um, and in the life I had created. Um, When I was diagnosed with cancer, and I'll step back and say that For me, getting cancer as a young mom was always one of those things that I was like, that would be the absolute worst thing that could ever happen to me and my children is for me to get cancer and have to go through chemo and all that as a young mom. So when it happened, I was obviously very, very shocked and a little bit terrified of what was to come for my family. I think I had always had these thoughts in my head, the kind of thoughts we all have. Well, if I don't do it, who will? If I if I'm not here to make my kids lunches, they're going to starve and die. If I'm not if I'm not there to help with homework, where they're all going to fail school. You know, these thoughts we have where we think that we are the that that key piece in everybody's life that's holding the world together. And I truly thought that when I was faced with cancer and then chemo and radiation and all the things that come with it. I literally had to just focus on surviving. I mm-hmm. it's all I could do to lay on the couch and and suddenly all these things that were so important to me before um, became almost not important at all. The most important things were just loving my children and letting them know that I loved them. And miracle of miracles, I realized that I am not the linchpin in everyone else's life. Mm. I am not the one that is making the world go round, particularly where it comes to my children. And I watched my children um, rise to the occasion to become more independent, to learn to do things on their own. And, and when they did that, I realized how much I had been incapacitating them in their growth and how much that incapacitated me because I felt like I had a load that was too big to bear. And once I was able to put those things into perspective, into a much healthier balance, I stopped over-identifying in my motherhood and um, in kind of the external validator of my children and their success. And that has been a serious turning point for me um, with my anxiety. Mm. It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. I remember one time hearing you say that getting cancer cured my anxiety. And I was like, come again? (laughs) Like, what? You know, and you're like, well, when you face the thing that you feared the very most and you make it through it, you realize that you're more powerful than you think. And you realize that you can do hard things. And and you, like you said, like you just explained, you realize that your kids are so much more capable than you realize that it's okay for you to not be able to juggle all the balls when you're perfectly healthy because people will be okay. You know, it's okay to focus on your own health, your own self care, even when you're well, because 
the world can, they can function too, if that makes sense. I just remember you, you talking about that and being like, wow, that is so powerful to think that the hardest thing you've gone through has had these blessings and these repercussions in your life. It helped me to know how strong I was and how strong everyone around me was and how capable we all were individually and how capable we were together. Mm, I mean, so well said. That is just beautiful. Well, this has been such a great interview. I know it's going to give women so much food for thought. Um, Can you recap for us your three takeaways for um, sort of not dealing with, but managing getting through everyday anxiety? Absolutely. Number one, yes, it really is anxiety. Number two, know your triggers. And number three, let go of expectations. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, ladies. And before we end, I want to introduce and announce something exciting that we've been working on behind the scenes for the last couple of months. We, yeah, we're doing a a bit of a collaboration between Three and Thirty and um, Cultivate a Good Life and Becky Higgins Brand. So, can you tell us about that, or tell the listeners about that? Goodness, yes. Okay, so around here, because documenting is so important for us, one of the products that we offer is a simple notebook. And we have been offering simple notebooks for a few years, and it's one of the most popular products that we offer from Becky Higgins because they're just simple notebooks. Who doesn't love a simple notebook, right? But the fun (laughs) thing is the cover designs are just, we always make them inspiring or beautiful or encouraging for whatever you end up using that notebook for. And you guys can probably feel where we're going with this we have collaborated with rachel on a simple notebook and that is actually launching or has launched today at the time that this episode is coming out so um rachel why don't you speak to what you chose to be on the cover and before she does that i want you guys to understand that a collaboration means we bring something and she brings something right and so what we bring is the love of notebooks and producing them and knowing how to get exactly right because we like we're so particular about the details it's the perfect size and the perfect paper and all the things and then rachel um we invited her to come up with the the vibe the color the message so rachel why don't you speak to that yeah, so um, I was so thrilled when Becky approached me and asked me if I wanted to do this. And what she asked, what would you want on the cover of a notebook that you know sort of embodies both of our brands? And and I chose the phrase "You've got this" mm-hmm. because that is just something that I feel so passionately about. Like I hope is communicated every single week by my podcast is that you've got this, moms. Like you are stronger than you know. You're doing better than you think. And I feel like this message really fits well with this topic of everyday anxiety that you've got this. I know it's hard. Believe me, like it's so difficult, but with these tools and with the support of our community, we can get through anything. And I know that that is a message that you guys share with your work at Cultivate a Good Life. And so that the notebook, it's, it's the three and 30 purple that I love. It's the dark purple. And then it says, you've got this on the front. And we just hope that it'll be so inspiring to you if you purchase one as you use it to remind yourself or to purchase one for a friend who you want to encourage that she's got this, whatever it is that she's going through. Well, and we would, speaking of sharing it with a friend, we would definitely advise you guys, our notebooks sell out so fast. They are a limited quantity. Each design is because we, that just makes them that much more special, right? You know that it's not like masses of everyone has it. Like 
if you're fast, you're going to get the notebook. So while you're in there, you're going to want to pick up a few because one of our favorite things to do as people and as friends is keep extra notebooks on hand so that when you do have that moment with a friend, a sister-in-law, a neighbor, a coworker that you're like, okay, she just needs a lift. She needs a boost. She needs a something, a pick me up moment. You can be that friend that has a notebook with a really encouraging message to give that to her. So yeah, write her a little note inside and give it to her. So we're so excited about this. And we, you know, we started this collaboration a few months ago and then I said, I want the Beckys to come on my podcast when we announced the notebook. So I'm so grateful to you both for, for your time and for who you are and for what you put out into the world. And just thank you so much for being on three and 30. Thank you so much for having, for having us. us. And we didn't say Rachel, where to find them. Should I say, Oh, where to get the notebook? Yeah. Tell them where do they get the notebook? Felt so bad. If we like get this recording and the information's not there, you go to stop Becky That's it. And then Rachel and we will all be sharing about it on Instagram today. I'm sure. So and I'll put it in the show notes, of course, the link there. And we just can't wait to connect with all of you listening outside of the podcast. And thank you for being here, Becky's. And I hope you have a fabulous day. Thanks for having Thanks, us, Rachel. Rachel. This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 76, Everyday Anxiety. A bonus... Okay, you're so rude. Do it again.